Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Four Men Only Love Hour with your host, Kev, on stage. I have my good friend, Steve-On Lewis. Steve-On, welcome. It's just us, huh? No women, huh? Drink yeah. beer, shoot guns, fart, punch somebody. Yeah. <laughs> we can do all those things. I mean, you can. I'm not really going to do that stuff, but go for it. <laughs> so, Steve-On, so for people who aren't familiar with you, today we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. But you tell us a little bit about you and your practice and your hopes and dreams, your favorite ice cream flavor. Oh, okay, sure, for sure. So I don't like ice cream cold, uh, but cookies and cream is my favorite. Uh, I try not to keep it in the house because I will eat the whole half gallon. Uh, but I'm Steve on Lewis. I'm a licensed American family therapist. I'm practicing out of Torrance, California. I've uh, been doing- Oh, are you here? Oh yeah, I'm a local kid. Yeah, born and raised, never left. Oh, you would have been at the office if we didn't that old Rona. Yeah, Rona blocking. That's what she does, blocking. <laughs> So yeah, I've been doing that therapy since about 2007. Uh, and so in my practice, I uh, work with individuals struggling with imposter syndrome primarily, and then I also do some work with couples. How long have you been a, a therapist? I didn't catch that. Oh yeah, so, so I started doing therapy and community mental health uh, in South Central Los Angeles, uh, like in 2007. Uh, got licensed in, I think like 2012 or something way back when. Uh, and I've always kind of had my private practice on the side while I've done other things. So, you know, I was in community mental health, and then I was the director of counseling services at a small private college in Burbank, um, and then kind of finally jumped into private practice full-time last August. Okay. Uh, let's pause real quick. They're saying you mm -hmm. sound a little muffled. Can you try to take your headphones out and see if it sounds better? If it doesn't, we're just going to keep going. But I, I literally see that coming every time. What about now? Yes. That's better? Much better. Oh, let's do it. We back. How's that, audience? Good? Yay, a little yay, delay. Yay. A little, hello, hello, hello. I think it sounds better to me. Okay, well, then we go rock and roll like this. We're going to rock and roll. Okay, so for those who don't know exactly what it is, tell me what imposter syndrome is. Sure, sure. So imposter syndrome, it's uh, actually called imposter phenomenon. Uh, the term was coined by Dr. Pauline Clance. Uh, she's a psychologist out of uh, Georgia, University of Georgia, I believe. Um, and she kind of coined the term back in the late 70s, like 1978, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is when she was doing some work in a graduate school, uh, graduate school program for therapy. Uh, and she was working with uh, women. And so she was finding that a lot of the women, while they were kind of presenting with their grades and doing really well, didn't have this confidence or belief in themselves that they knew what they were doing. And so they constantly felt like a fraud. Right, and so like the term kind of, I guess, I guess morphed into imposter syndrome because it's, more, I guess, more palatable. Uh, and so then we kind of got to a place of where uh, people or the people I work with kind of present and we look at them and we'll say, this person is killing it in life. 
uh, that they're kind of, you know, really successful. Yeah, maybe got, you know, multiple podcasts, you know, family, uh, <laughs> not nice beard, uh, handsome individuals, uh, talking about Kev, not myself. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but then for the, for the individual, they aren't able to connect with that success, right? So they constantly feel like they're on the brink of being found out to be a fraud, right? Was it like the wicked, uh, uh, the Wizard of Oz? You like push the curtain back and you find out it's like a tiny man mm -hmm. behind there? Exactly. And that's their fear is that at some point they're going to be found out for not really having the abilities or skills that they have. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that's um how common would you say that is in black men? Oh, I would say it's uh probably fairly common. Uh kind of what I found in, in working with these individuals is that uh you know it, it shows up in people of color that are kind of in majority white spaces. So kind of when you look around the room, you're the only person in the room that looks like you. And so you start to question not that somebody you know, maybe it's something that someone did. But you're just like, hey, no one else in here looks like me, acts like me, talks like me. I'm not sure I'm in the right space, right? And so there's always this little bit of doubt about whether I actually do belong in the spaces that I am in. That's really interesting. I feel like, um, it, and maybe to add uh, to that pressure, if you mm -hmm. are a man, you're the head of the household, right? Mm -hmm. And you have that pressure of like, say you're a, a man, right? <laughs> Not me, but just say you're a man uh, and your wife is equally as talented, if not more talented, smarter than you, in better physical shape, uh, creative, you know, um, and then you're supposed to lead her and, and she's obviously smarter than you. Would you say that things like that might add to your imposter syndrome? Absolutely, absolutely. That sort of stuff could make you kind of question whether you know what you're doing or if you have the abilities or skills to actually lead this phenomenal woman that you could be in a relationship with. Not you, but, you know, this other, the person, yeah, the person. Yeah, the person, exactly. Uh, that they're, you know, kind of in a relationship with. And so you question like, hey, this person looks like they know what they're doing more than I do. So then how can I really add value? And so you start to question like, is, am I doing the right thing? Is this going to be helpful? And so it's always having this level of doubt of like, hey, at some point they're going to recognize that they're better than me and they can even probably do this without. Hmm, that's an interesting thing that someone might have happened to their life. Boy, oh boy, I don't know what that would be happened to someone like that. Sure not happened to me. <laughs> uh, interesting, interesting. Like, uh, let's just get to the bare bones of it. Okay. People suffer from this. 100%. Um, I think there's different ways to, let's say, cover it up. Mm -hmm. um, uh, most of that is with probably more work. I absolutely, completely, 110 million percent can unequivocally say that I can suffer from imposter syndrome. There's the professional Kev on stage, the leader of men. When I was working at All Deaf, um, I kind of always had jobs where I wasn't quite qualified when I got the job, literally qualified. <laughs> like even I would agree with you. I just never let that be a reason. Like, you know, I could talk myself up. Like when I got mm -hmm. the job about death, they're like, have you ever run teams before? And I was like, teams, have I run teams? 
At the bank, I had a team of 25 tellers and three personal fingers. Bruh, all I really did was the tellers would write down this person's name. They want to check an account. I would come grab them and sit down. But in the interview, oh, man, I had teams. So there was that. Eventually, I grew into that job at All Def where I actually was like, you know, um, I don't know what the opposite of imposter syndrome, but I, I would say that I felt confident enough in my uh, uh, experience and skills to say what I said. But early on, I would just be in these rooms, especially with being in rooms with famous people, rich people. I'm talking about mm -hmm. hundreds, people who have hundreds of millions of dollars in their account right now. Mm -hmm. I had $28. <laughs> so there's that very real, these people are smarter than me. These people are richer than me. Uh, what the heck am I doing here? Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, I tell my wife, I tell my friends, they're, they're like, what is this like being in this business and having to work with some celebrities? Because I've done some work with celebrities um, and that I can't speak about publicly. Mm -hmm. And I say, it's kind of like, you know, like in high school players, they, they, you know, people like LeBron James, right? Yep. He's in high school, he's watching the NBA, right? Mm -hmm. And he's a senior in high school. And the next year he's playing against those guys. Like, so if he yeah. loves Kobe, or Shaq, he's playing against those guys. So there's, we have one second to be in awe of them and then they're gonna try and dunk on you. Yep. And that's what it's like, you know, like that's what it's like to be in my business. You have to prove that you're worthy. Um, but what does that happen? Like, how do you deal with that when you, when you kind of know that you belong, but you don't feel that you belong? Right, so part of it is that you gotta start to recognize or challenge kind of what I call the inner bully, right? So the inner, inner bully. bully? Yeah, the inner bully. Bully, okay. Yep, yep. So, like, the way I say it is that we all have an inner bully, right? Yeah. And our inner bully is just like a real bully. It says mean and nasty stuff about us. It uses our insecurities against us to make us feel like we are less than or don't have what we, you know, the abilities we really do have. And so it makes us question and feel terrible about ourselves, mm -hmm. right? And so we've got to question the evidence of that stuff, right? So, like, when you're talking about being in this space or getting this opportunity at all depth, it's like, well, you got the opportunity and they hired you. Right, and so you got to start to say, well, your inner bully's like, well, you don't, you didn't uh, run a team of 25 people and three mm -hmm. other tellers, and you own the bank, and you know, you'll say, well, that's true, but also you got to look at this the piece of there's also these people who think you can do the job, right? They wouldn't yeah. offer it to you, they wouldn't hire you, they wouldn't have, you know, had you for an interview if they didn't think you qualified, right? And that they've got to have some level of ability to understand who's good at something and who's not, right? Because right? they've probably been in this industry as well. So even if you're doubting yourself, like we should be able to have some confidence that maybe they know what they're doing as well. Unless you're saying everybody in the world has no idea what they're doing and that, you know, they're making a mistake in, in, in uh, kind of deciding to yeah. add you to the team. Yeah, no, and I, I totally agree with that. I think as my confidence grew, mm -hmm. I think what I realized, this is just for this specific thing, and I want to open the scope up a little more after this. We had, there was a skill I had that they didn't. Right, they had money, they had age, they had power, but they did not have the knowledge of the internet. So mm -hmm. I was like, I remember when I, this actually happened kind of early. I was like, man, I know, I don't know how to do all this stuff, but the Donna Goodo thing happened and I knew, I knew how to make a video in an hour. Like I called two actors, camera guy, we shoot this right outside and this first video that went viral. And mm -hmm. kind of like knowing what I did know helped me until I knew what I didn't know, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, but kind of like the fake it till you make it. Fake your way to the top. That's uh, one of my favorite songs from Dreamgirls, Long As You Can. Now, here's the added element to just say my life, right? 
you have that professional setting, and then you have Kev on stage, the person, the persona, the 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 brand, right? Because Kevin Fredericks and mm -hmm. Kev on stage, they're they're different parts of the same person, right? Uh, if you were on Patreon right before this, you saw Kevin. Kevin is the person who's listening to his wife. How do you want the show? Drinking water, not in performance mode. I've been using the term performance mode a lot because that's the persona that people see most of the time they come in contact with me is Kevin on stage. That is the performative version of Kevin Fredericks. That is not who I am all the time. But um, a lot of times I think I suffer with like, will people like me? You know, like the actual me, the one who's mm -hmm. not funny all the time. You know, that's part of the reason why I don't be liking people uh, who I don't know around because it's like hard to be me mm -hmm. if you want me to be Kev on stage. And can I live up to this person all the time? That, that being Kev on stage, the performative version, it is, it is, it takes energy, like literal physical energy. Uh, because like if you're in the green room with me, Kat is one of our patrons. She's like one of the leaders. I'd be on my phone like this. <laughs> no enthusiasm. Yeah, nothing. Just and then when it's time to go on stage, it's you know it's going on stage. But I think uh, I guess what I guess what I suffer with, and maybe other men do, maybe not that specifically, of is that version of me, the one who's not the one people expect, is mm -hmm. that. Enough? Right, and, that, and that's exactly kind of what imposter syndrome is, right? So it's this thing of I've got to live up to this standard all the time, right? Yeah. And they're like, there's no flexibility, there's no gray area. It's either I'm I'm great or I'm terrible, and that if I make a mistake, why why is that? Why do why is the only sink or swim? Why do we do? Why does it have to be that way for us? So what I found in, in working with people struggling with imposter syndrome is that oftentimes it comes from childhood. You know, I don't want to kind of pull out everybody's junk from their backpack. Or Here we <laughs> go. Here we go. But, you know, I mean, hey, it happens, right? So, like, in childhood, sometimes, you know, people have had a parent who was super critical of them, uh, kind of always pointing out where they weren't doing a good job or where they needed to improve. And then also kind of couple that with a lot of where they were doing well, right? Yeah. So they just heard, hey, you always need to fix this. You need to do this. Sit up straight. Uh, you know, don't slouch. Don't put your, your elbows on the table. See, I felt like <laughs> you were talking to me. I was like, oh, you know what, I am slouching. Yeah, yeah, right? And so doing a lot of that stuff. Or that if they accomplished something, it had to be something really amazing, right? Like they didn't get, you know, a, a lot of accomplishments for like getting an A in a class. You had to like graduate with honor, right? Like that's how you, that's how you really get acknowledgement in your household, right? So you start to find that like, hey, I'm, it seems like I don't do most of the things uh, well, because I'm always being told that something needs to be fixed. And so we start to develop this narrative of ourselves as kids that, hey, you know what, I'm just barely kind of getting by, so I need to work extra hard, I need to kind of be on top of it, because I really don't have what it takes to really be well or be good. You know what else, too, Stephon, as you were saying, I was thinking about that. One of the things that um, could add to this is this pandemic. You know, this mm -hmm. pandemic is like, it ripped away the way the old thing works. Like for me, I was generating huge amounts of income at times, mm -hmm. you know, on tour and with merch and with this pandemic, a lot of that changed. Luckily, I have ShipStation. As most mm -hmm. folks adapt to this changing world, we're all going to be buying more stuff online than ever before. Like I haven't been selling merch in clubs, but I have been selling merch 
through, um, you know, ShipStation. If you're an e-commerce seller like me, are you ready to meet the demands of our new delivery culture? Be ready with ShipStation. ShipStation helps online sellers of any size get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep customers happy. No matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. Listen, you know, Stevon, what's crazy is even though we are not companies as big as Amazon, people expect the amount of speed from Amazon. Even if you're not Amazon, they want two-day shipping. They want it fast. And it's nearly impossible to keep up with that without something to streamline your orders like ShipStation. For me, it changed the game for us. It allowed all of our orders from different sites to come in, orders from my wife's stuff, my sister's book, from my stuff, all one place, one streamlined thing, and it's perfect. ShipStation works with all our major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. And right now, the Love Hour listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the offer code LOVE. Make sure your business is ready to meet the demands of delivery culture and get started using ShipStation today. ShipStation.com today. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in LOVE. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter the code LOVE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Okay, so I want to continue on that thing that we were talking about. And I want to ask you about the difference between imposter syndrome and insecurity. Because I feel like I probably suffer from imposter syndrome and maybe insecurity in different ways. What are the similar similarities and differences? Sure. So I think that like insecurity is, I guess, kind of maybe a precursor or a lower level version of imposter syndrome, right? There are appropriate times for us to kind of feel like maybe we don't know or we aren't kind of sure, especially in new spaces or in spaces where, you know, we haven't kind of performed well before for us to kind of question or be, you know, concerned about our ability to, to thrive or, or excel in that, in that space, right? And I feel like that's a little bit industry, like, I'm not sure that I'm, I've got it. Um, but I think the difference is with imposter syndrome is that that feeling doesn't leave even after mm. you've got some level of accomplishment or, you know, some evidence to support that you do know what you're doing. So you've got emotions. Uh, so it's not, it, not, it never goes away, even 100%. when you have evidence contrary to to your feelings. Yep. So yep. that's interesting because I I can definitely see that. For me, it's crazy. It sounds I'm okay. I'm a, I'm gonna tell you why I'm laughing. One, it's a different mm-hmm. mechanism, and two, when you say some of your thoughts out loud that you think they sound silly because mm-hmm. it doesn't make logical sense. But boy, when they're in your head, they make all the sense in the world. So I'll tell you what I suffer from. Tony Baker, uh, me and Tahir went on tour for two years, right? Tony has had more fans on me on Instagram for the longest, right? So there's two things I suffer from greatly. Tony is likely a, could easily be, if you said Tony's a better comedian than me, I would not argue with you, right? He is a great comedian. He's my son's, my son in the room here, favorite Mm -hmm. comedian is Tony Baker. He will come out of the green room Ouch. when he's at shows. Oh my gosh, doesn't even hide it. He'll come out of the green room when he's at shows, watch Tony Baker, and then go back in the green room when I come in, right? When I come out to perform. So uh, our third tour, me and Tony were talking and it was, it was time for him to go. He was like, nah, Kev, I wanna be on tour with you. I'm like, bro, you are a headliner. You need to go on and be on your own, right? Mm-hmm. But here's why I suffered, Stevon. 
Now I'm like, are people gonna come see me? Or do they even like me? Like without Tony, why would they come? Because one time Tony was sick and he didn't come to our Austin show. And we probably had about 25, maybe even 30 uh, refunds, right? Like Tony ain't here, I'm out of there. I mean, like they were coming in hot and heavy. So I was, I was taken aback, Stephon. I was like, uh, I'm also gonna be on here. So part of me wanted to be like, I will, I bet you you'll still have a good time. Yeah. You still don't like it, I'll give you your money back, but please still come. But then when he was going on his own tour, I'm like, man, am I even gonna sell? And it wasn't even until the first date when I was still selling out that I was kind of like, yeah, maybe you were tripping. I actually told Tony about this. He was like, man, it's crazy because I thought the same thing. Like, I knew you would sell, but he's like, what will I do? Like, without Kev, are people mm. gonna come see me? Now, mind you, we both have millions of fans. Mm -hmm. and and no data to suggest that people won't come like i sold out 98 percent of every show i've done over the last two and i mean like literally sold out not like the fake sold out but here's mm -hmm. the thing stevon it doesn't matter every show i have i still i'm like am i gonna sell are people gonna come like why is it like that when you know it doesn't make sense because here's the thing patreon asked how many did you keep mind you there's 30 people who asked for refunds at that shawnee show i still sold over a thousand tickets and none of it mattered because the three, the 15 people who backed out were all I could think of. Help me understand my crazy way of thinking. There you go. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's our brain's way of kind of focusing on wanting to be better, right? So we got this narrative of I, I need to be exceeding or, success, or being successful or excelling in life to kind of be considered doing a good job, right? And so what we do is we're looking for well, where, where are the failures at? And so it's kind of like a test, right? If I'm on a test and I get nine out of 10 and I look at the one I got wrong, I don't care about the other nine that I got right. You know, none of that stuff gets reinforced. I only focus on the one that I got wrong. How can I really feel good about myself? How can I feel like, hey, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. All I'm focusing on for the next hour or two is the fact that I got this one wrong. How did that happen? How could I be so stupid and dumb, right? So like, you didn't, you're, you're this ignoring. This makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> this is exactly how I think. This is right. Because that's how you get better, right? I don't get better by focusing on what I'm doing well. I get better by cleaning up the areas that I'm not doing so well. That's what we tell ourselves. And I'm saying it's just as important to focus on what you're doing well and what you're accomplishing to be able to continue to do that and then ask up to it, right? And so I think oftentimes what people do is we ignore one over the other. And so in your scenario, it's like, hey, you're focusing on 15 people that wanted a refund because Tony didn't show up as opposed to the other thousand that were like, Hey, we don't care if he never comes back. We're here to see you. It is so crazy because I realize I, now that you're saying it, I, I realize I do it in so many different ways in life. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it's almost like nothing is ever enough. Nothing is ever good enough. Like it's, I, I, <laughs> I don't compare myself to my actual class of people who are doing what I do, right? Mm -hmm. Like I literally will say, Issa Rae, who's younger than me, mm -hmm. murdering at life, right? Like killing it. And I mean, shows, she lost weight. Like even like, here's my thing. This is, we'll get to this too. I, all the excuses I have, she could have too, but she lost weight. She got that first show, she lost weight, and she kept it off. Usually when people lose weight and it comes back, I'm like, yes, they're just mm -hmm. like me. But when they lose it and keep it off, I'm like, wait, they're beating me or something? And I can have, I have a you know, nice house, beautiful mm -hmm. wife, healthy children, great credit, own homes, 
Mm -hmm. All of these things, and I never think about any of them. Right. It's only I can't lose weight. I don't have a movie. My I don't have a stand-up special. I don't have I, LeBron James won four NBA championships. I didn't make it in. Like <laughs> literally, those people. I'm like I'm right. joking, but right. I'm not joking because I used to hoop. I'm like, why don't yeah. I win the NBA championship? Is it because I'm not in the NBA? Like well, that's that's part of it. <laughs> that's and when I'm it. on stage, I can be. Killing. Every other mm -hmm. comic I know is like this too. Murdering. We see one lady in the back corner, one guy on the third row, not laughing. On our first two tours, it was crazy. We would come off stage and they'd be like, bro, did y'all get dude in the red coat to laugh? I, we killing. Mm -hmm. That red coat guy is not laughing and that's all we see. Yep. Why, Stevon? Help me understand why. Because, well, it's a couple things, right? There's that culture of comparison, right? Is that I need to do what the next person is doing or better for me to be good, right? So I've, I've mm -hmm. set this bar for myself based on somebody else's abilities or skills, right? right? The other thing is that we kind of focus or tend to focus on defining ourselves by our failures, right? So, you know, what I hear oftentimes in working with my clients is that they, they do something really well and they don't celebrate it well enough. They're like, oh, yeah, I did that. And then it's on to the next thing. Right. And it's like, well, time out. Like you did this thing. Well, if I stay there, I'm going to be complacent and I don't want to get, you know, to a place where I think highly of myself. And I'm like, well, that's not who you are in general. You're not a person that walks around like, you know, your shit don't stink kind of right. Or that yeah. you're just, the, you know, everything God's gift to life. Right. You're not that type of person. I'm also saying, why can't you celebrate that? If you're going to spend, you know, 10 hours thinking about what you didn't do well, why can't we spend another 10 hours thinking about what we did well? I'm saying just be fair. Right. And oftentimes people aren't doing that. They, you know, get a promotion. Oh, that's good. But now they start to focus on, well, you know, I've got these new people reporting to me. What if they don't like me as a supervisor? What if it's like, well, time out. Just let's just be happy about this promotion for a little bit before we start to think about, you know, how the world's gonna end tomorrow. I think I uh, definitely it's so crazy how I think all this stuff. I feel <laughs> like resting on your laurels is dangerous. Now, maybe in my line of business, this is more heightened because I've been in this business a long time, like professionally, and also been watching. And I've seen people rise to the top mm -hmm. and fall. I've seen people fall off. I've seen people who were hundreds of thousands, millions of followers ahead of me, engagement, ahead of me, uh, deals, brand deals, all that. And then I've caught up to them or surpassed them. So I know that if that happened to them, then that can happen to me. So I can have a video mm -hmm. go viral, a million views on Sunday literally like, sunday if by wednesday i haven't had another video reach that i'm like i lost it i don't have it the internet there will never be another video <laughs> and, and let me tell you about the impending doom thoughts there you, you want to talk about silly steve on you want to get really crazy you want to hear some of the stuff i have thought let me tell Absolutely. you impending doom beginning of every tour i lose my voice a little bit because i go from regular amount of talking to that plus three shows plus travel what if I'm never able to talk again? What if I get in an accident and someone chops my hands off and then I can't hold a microphone? How will my family survive? And then at the time I'm thinking it, I'm just like, I'm out of here. What if I'm sick and I can't perform? What if I have a bad set? Like, it's crazy. These things aren't even like, my hands being chopped off? Like, that's not even logical. Right. Right, but in right. my mind, it makes the most sense. How do you combat those thoughts that are ludicrous, but they're but still very prominent? Right, right. 
So I call that catastrophizing, right? Is that you've gone to the extreme of worst case scenario that can happen if, if something were to happen, right? And so you spend time focusing on that. And so part of what I do when I work with people is try to get them to understand the difference between kind of the, the possibility of something happening and the probability of something happening, right? So just because something is possible doesn't mean that it's highly probable. Like, could you get your hands cut off and not be able to hold the microphone? For sure, that's possible, like anything in the world. The cartel was in Ozark. <laughs> they could have kidnapped me and cut my hands off. I that saw it happen to Jason Bateman. They didn't right, cut right. my hands off, but did kidnap him. Also, I don't run money for the cartel. But in my that's dream, it doesn't make, I, that part doesn't come into play. Exactly. And it's like, well, how, how probable is that to happen? Like, how likely is it that tomorrow you're going to be involved in some situation where your hands get chopped off? It didn't happen yesterday. It didn't happen over the last, you know, however old you are, years. And so tomorrow's going to be the day. Like, I highly doubt that. And so, again, it's starting to temper those thoughts or those statements that you're telling yourself about because something is possible that it's also highly probable. And then the other part is kind of like comparing yourself to other people, right? And so that when something bad happens to someone else because they had some success and now that didn't work out for them and now you surpassed them and you're on top, that it could happen to me. And it's like, well, why is your story going to be just like theirs, right? Because there's other people in the industry who've been, you know, in the game for a long time, had story careers in comedy, still killing it, still having influence. Why couldn't you be one of those people? Why focus on the person who didn't be successful and didn't kind of accomplish that stuff? Why do we say, well, I could be the next person that could be great? We don't tell ourselves that. We're always focusing on, or more frequently or more often, focusing on where things can go wrong and not looking at like, hey, the stuff I'm doing well, if I just continue to really do that, why wouldn't I be okay? Or at a, a bare minimum, like if, if you just continue to, to figure stuff out, which you've already done to get to be successful, why wouldn't you continue to figure stuff out if things change? I don't know, okay? I don't know why you're making sense and I'm not. Let me tell you what thought has never crossed my mind. When I think about the creators who have failed and burnt down in flames, I never think about the people who I've been watching since I worked at Boeing who are still doing, I don't, that thought has literally never crossed my mind. Right. Right. Like people like Tim DeLaghetto, who's a friend of mine. I'm sorry, Tim Chanarongsu. He's he changed his name. He literally went from sketches to YouTube to MTV to podcasting. He's been the master of a pivot. He's made, you know, he's had great years. He's making crazy money. He's had sustaining years. He's had low years or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he's never fell off. And I don't know why that thought has never crossed my mind until you said it. And maybe it's because he has so many skills, which I have as well. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're skilled enough, you will find a way to adjust. And if you're not skilled in an area, you can learn those skills with Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. You can explore new skills, new passions, and get lost in creativity. Skillshare offers creative classes designed for real life and all the circumstances that come with it. I've personally been taking some photography and graphic design Skillshare classes just to be able to um, work on my skills. If you see my Twitter or Instagram, you've seen some of the new flyers, some of the stuff that I passed off as jokes, is stuff I actually have been working on for my own, like, you know, not necessarily make money, but to, to be more well-rounded. We believe a strong community is essential in times of hardships. Tap into the support of fellow creatives who provide encouragement, communication, and inspiration. Drawing, writing, and journaling classes can be a great way to help manage stress, practice mindfulness, and feel connected to one another. 
Explore your creativity and get two free months of premium membership at Skillshare.com slash lovehour. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Get started and join the day by heading to Skillshare.com slash lovehour. That's two free months of unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash lovehour. And also, it comes as no surprise that we're all stuck in our homes for a while. It's important now more than ever to stay active and keep moving with Beachbody On Demand. It's the easy to use streaming service that gives you instant access to over 1,300 super effective workouts suited for anybody at any time. The secret to getting results is getting started. Now listen, the one time I was able to get in good shape in my life, which was about, don't mind how long it was ago, Steven, just Steven, just forget about it. But the one time I did, it was using beach body and being really committed i did p90x i did insanity i did p90x or insanity twice and next thing i know i was a i was a an adonis a hunk of of glowing abdominal glory i was chiseled in stone and guess what beach body's still available for you now you can check out some of beach body's newest programs like morning meltdown 100 and 80 day obsession and start every day i really want you guys to try the surge because it's amazing. It's tried and true. I've actually used it on my own man boobs, and they were smaller at the end. Right now, my listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text LOVE to 303030-303030. You will get full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts, the nutrition information, and support, totally free. Again, just text LOVE to 303030 and get the body you deserve. Continue your thoughts, Devon. No, so I, was, I mean, what you were saying about kind of being able to pivot and why we kind of get sucked into this idea of looking at where we aren't doing well and why it impacts us so much, even though there's counter evidence to kind of support that we are doing things well. It's like, in therapy, I use a lot of analogies because I think they make complex ideas. I love analogies. Please use them as much as you want. <laughs> so the analogy I use for that is kind of like the stock market, right? Like the stock market goes up and down, right? And it goes like this and it's doing this. And so these ups are like when we're doing really well, downs, you know, all we lost some money and we can freak out behind that stuff. The thing to really pay attention to is kind of the trend line, right? And so I think oftentimes, you know, day to day things can happen. You know, you, you had a million people view this one video and then the next day you have 34,000 and you're like, oh my God, my career's over, it's a done deal. And it's like, yes. well, is it really? Is it really? Maybe it is. It could be the precursor, like the sign. Don't like, say that. <laughs> don't even say maybe. <laughs> no, I'll help you. Don't worry about it. After this, I got you. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you can get really freaked out about that. But I'm saying like the trend line has been like, your career has been like this. Like there's been a lot of this throughout the kind of course of it, but the trend line has been, it's going up. And so like, why would that, why would we not focus on kind of where it's been going as opposed to kind of what happens on a day to day? I don't know. <laughs> Steven, that's, it's, it's a great point because yeah. for the most part, my numbers have been trending up for years. Mm -hmm. and, my, mm -hmm. and it's crazy because I compare myself to people who are not even playing the game the same way mm -hmm. as I'm playing it. Like, I post a video a day. It's my design. My own, listen, listen to this. My mm -hmm. own design approach isn't virality. It's consistent. Mm -hmm videos. I'm not swinging for home runs. They're too hard. I'm just swinging for singles. I'm making videos every day. Some will be great. Some won't. Some will do great. Some won't. I know that. Mm -hmm. But if so many days in a row go by and it ain't three, 4,000 comments on Instagram, 
Then I'm like, this is stupid. Uh, I need butts and boobs in my videos like those other guys did. And they killed, you know, they <laughs> shot all their followers up. You know what I mean? Like, that's not really a thought that I have. Mm -hmm. But even my own approach to my thing, I, I, I compare myself to people who are playing the game totally different than me. But in my mind, that, compar that comparison uh, makes perfect sense. But as you talk, I realize it doesn't make perfect sense. Right. I mean, it's so, so <laughs> analogies, right? So you used to hoop, you said, right? You I, two, I was you, here with it. Yeah, you was, it was out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, oftentimes what we do is we look at how somebody else is doing it and being successful, and then we determine for ourselves we need to do it their way, right? So the analogy I use for that is kind of the difference in the game between James Harden and Russell Westbrook, right? So Russell, yeah. Russell Westbrook is like high energy, you know, he's high, what I call like high investment, high return. Right, like he's going hard. He's you know one end, other end, making a block, getting a rebound, dunking on somebody, making a shot pass. Like he's doing, he's energizing them up and down the court. James Harden, not so much. Right, he's kind of what I call a low investment, high return kind of player. Right, and so his approach is to kind of you know he's not running fast as Westbrook. Uh, he uses speed sparingly, but he's super effective. And so I'm saying like I don't know that he needs to play like Westbrook to be really good. He plays like himself which is different from Westbrook. I mean, we can debate on like defense and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, you know, all-star as well. And I'm saying he's getting it done. So I, I think if your approach is working for you doing a video a day, who cares if it's a home run or if it gets the most followers or whatnot, it's working for you and that's okay because you're you and you don't need to be someone else. Were you auditioning to be my therapist today or <laughs> were you just doing this because Melissa reached out to you? No, the goal is to absolutely be your therapist. Okay, because this is like, I have a therapist, and I should say had a therapist, because I'm like, this guy is using basketball analogies on me? I love sports analogies. I don't use as much because I don't want people to go with them. But this is like, yes, yeah. it's, it's so much great stuff, and that makes perfect sense to me, because I think you tend to, here's the other thing that I know I do. Mm -hmm. I, I minimize my greatness, right? Mm -hmm. I highlight other people's greatness, but I, I don't acknowledge their weaknesses at all, and I highlight my weaknesses. So I'm not even, even in my comparison, I'm not even comparing apples to apples. I'm comparing my worst to their best and my, uh, uh, and, and whatever, the other version of that. <laughs> and I don't even give myself credit for my best. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Is that like you explain away you know, what you did, and this is what people with imposter syndrome do, is they explain away the things they did well as something, as a result of something that wasn't about them, right? So it was luck, or that person liked me, or I knew this other person, so they gave me an opportunity, or that, you know, uh, that day it was really easy, so that's why I got an A in the class. And, you know, part of me is questioning, like, well, did everybody get an A? Did everybody get the job? I could have gone down there, and I could have went on stage, and I could have got a thousand people to want to see Steve Iron tell jokes. Probably not, right? So it's like, hey, you actually had something. And so what we do is we tell everybody else that that's really being, oh, well, that person's phenomenal. They're really funny. They're, you know, successful. They're good at what they do. Oh, look at that. Everybody loves them. They're so intelligent. And it's like, well, wait a second. They're human beings just like us. And, you know, the fact that we aren't explaining theirs away is luck or that they knew somebody and so they got the hookup. Uh, you know, why are we doing that to ourselves? You all up in my business. First of all, yeah. step back. Mind your business. 
and leave me be because all the stuff made sense to me till I talked to you. And I know my wife was on to something. She's like, oh, I don't want to be on this episode, Ken. You got it, Ken. What? Do your thing. Because you know who else have imposter syndrome? Her. But we'll talk about it another day. Now, here's the thing I want to talk about. Um, uh, is you've made amazing points. We haven't touched on the imposter syndrome when it comes to the husband and father, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Husband first, uh, love my wife. She is the best thing ever, but she is so amazing that one of the thoughts that creeps into my mind is, am I an equal partner to her, mm -hmm. right? She could easily live life without me, right? There you go. She's beautiful, she's smart, she's physically fit. She, she can have, a, she wanted to go get a job that paid $200,000 right now. She could. She could have another man. She could have a man with abs. She could have a man with more money. So then I'm looking at her and I'm like, why is she with me? And then we post mm -hmm. pictures of each other or, uh, together. It's like, Kev, you done looked up. How'd you get her? She could be with you. You didn't get it. You think I don't read that? You're wrong. So now I'm like, what it does is it, it does two things. It makes me kind of question myself there, but also it makes me go even harder on the other stuff so that I can say, well, you know, look, not look at this house, but look at this house. Look at the backyard. <laughs> you see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at the vacations and stuff. And it's like, why am I even doing that? Like, I do like vacations. I do, I do want my family to be in a, in a house, but I'm like, mm -hmm. am I doing that so that she can see the value in me Right. And, and, and therefore, she won't have to go look for that in other people. And it ain't even like she has given me. This is a crazy thing, Stevon. And I'm going to let you talk. Yeah. Well, she has given me no reason at all in the world, in the history of our 20-year relationship, not even an inkling of a iota of a thought that she would be without me. Mm -hmm. Does not matter. It, in my mind, it makes sense for her to not need me, even mm -hmm. though I'm the prize. I made this video yesterday. <laughs> said I'm the prize, right? So I, in my mind, I feel like I have to stack more and more achievements to validate someone who has never asked for these things to begin with. Like she never even wanted these things and i know that's not what she's built with so why am i doing this tell me why i'm doing this so first congratulations on the 20 years in the game that's dope that's dope hey 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 popping popping uh yeah so i mean i think like some of the stuff i talked about in terms of what people present with not to go back to kind of childhood right but there's also the, the part of of imposter syndrome of where when we don't kind of you know see people that look like us doing the things we're doing or kind of have examples in our kind of individual personal lives, right? Like our family mm -hmm. of origin. So say I had a, a mom who barely made it, you know, out of high school or a dad who, you know, was incarcerated or something like that. Then I start to question if I'm being successful, if I'm doing something well, kind of where did I get that from, yeah. right? And so in, in relationships, it'll start to show up of like, well, you know, maybe I didn't have a model for how to be a good husband, how to be a good father. Right. So then I start to question, well, do I really know what I'm doing? Because I didn't see anything. I know maybe what not to do but also that doesn't mean I know what to do, right? And so we kind of dismiss that success. 
or the ability, our ability to be able to kind of figure things out. And we discredit that because we didn't have a model to follow. And so in a relationship, you know, when you're talking about your wife, you're like, oh, my spouse is killing it. You know, she's the mom, she's doing everything and, you know, could be without me. Also, we're neglecting the fact or ignoring the fact that, you know, she was with you, it sounds like, well before you got to be Kev on stage. She was right? absolutely with me shooting in the proverbial gym. There you go. Exactly. I, I am Kev on stage because she helped me to become mm -hmm. Kev on stage. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, and like ignoring the fact that like she she has her own vision of who you were and who you are now. And like she was okay with who you were initially. Like she accepted you a long time ago. So that it wasn't that you needed to prove or continue to show like, hey, I'm doing this good thing. She was like, just continue to be yourself. Right now that you've got some success and all these other things come with it, for sure, that's amazing. But she was okay with you originally, right? But we kind of tell ourselves, like, well, she's so amazing. Why would they want to be with me, right? And I'm saying that's you ignoring your own worth of value, what they see in you. And so part of what I do kind of with clients is I have them do an exercise I created called collecting data, right? And so you have to kind of ask four or five different people, you know, some family, some friends, some people might, who don't know you all that well, and kind of ask them what your strengths are. Right. And so what you'll find out is that as you start to get this list developed, is that a theme starts to appear. And it's who you are and what you're presenting to the world, regardless of kind of what environment you're in. Right. So like your family, they'll see some stuff. And then, you know, your friends will see some stuff. And then maybe some coworkers will see some stuff. But then as you kind of look at the list, you're like, hey, you know, honesty popped up on all three of those lists. Right. Or, you know, reliable popped up. Right. And these are your core kind of values. And I think people need to be able to tap into kind of what they're putting out in the world as a core. And a lot of that stuff is really good stuff, but we don't see it ourselves. And so we kind of continue to question ourselves and our abilities in relationships or at work and stuff like that. Leave me alone, Steve. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I've had enough of you and your perfect answers and your quips and your analogies and you getting in between all the stuff in my life. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm a, I was thinking, as you were saying that, I was thinking about that. I don't know what this is about me, but when people try to tell me this, my friend Doughboy, I don't know if you know him, um, Tony to hear these people we, who like are very grateful for the added benefit I have helped them with. When they talk about like what I've done for them, it makes my skin crawl. Wow. I would wow. rather you say I suck at comedy and I need to get better than to say, <laughs> Kev, I had never been on tour before. You took me. I appreciate that. I'll be eternally grateful. For whatever reason, I don't know what it is about even hearing people say the stuff that we both know is true. Mm -hmm. I would rather them never say it out loud. I just right. don't know what it is. I just, I'm like, don't. Don't say anything. I don't, because I don't, I don't, I don't know. I actually have no idea why I'm like that. But mm -hmm. I, I can much rather take the negative about myself than the like, nah, Kev, you, you, you know, there was this thing they did one year. Kev saved my life. It was started as a joke. Oh. We're like serious. It was like, oh my gosh, please never ever say this thing again in, in your life. Never. All this good stuff about who you Dude. are and what you've been to them why don't yeah. bring that to my attention like I, I i don't know what it is do you have any thoughts on that 
absolutely. That like for you, I bet you do, Steve. I <laughs> <hope> you have <laughs> something great for this, don't you? Yeah, a hundred percent, I do. I came ready for this, right? So that like you're ready for the the criticism. You expect that to come. Yeah. Right. That's what you're looking for because again, I get better when I find out where I'm not doing well. Right. But then to also kind of have people give you compliments doesn't feel right. Because I think, again, people with imposter syndrome, part of that narrative is that I don't know what I'm doing. So for me to kind of have impacted somebody's life in a way that was amazing for them or transformative, it's like, well, wait a minute, how did that happen? I barely know what I'm doing. How can, how can I have, you know, made your life so much better, right? And so we question that stuff and we don't really identify it. Or the other thing that I find is that people like to say, well, that wasn't really big. I didn't, it didn't take a lot of energy for me to do that. I was just kind of being myself or you know, we explained it away as like it wasn't, it didn't take a lot of effort. So it's not that important. I'm saying, well, just because it didn't take a lot of effort, that just means that maybe you're just that good at it, right? That like, you know, for me to shoot a three from where Steph Curry does, I'm going at my, right? But Steph, it's like, boom, it's like layup to him, right? And I'm saying like, well, it's easy for him, hard for me, but also doesn't mean that the impact, if it goes in, it's still the same three points. Right. And so I'm saying for you, just because you feel like you didn't do something amazing or amazing or transformative in someone's life, if they experience it as such, then so be it. And I'm saying for you, it's going to be important for you to be able to accept that stuff. Of like you're putting out good stuff in the world. You're trying to do a good job. Why ignore when you actually do that and accomplish that? We all shop online a lot. <laughs> you know that you can make online shopping even better? Well, you can with Honey. Honey is the free online shopping tool that saves you money online. Honey automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart. Let me tell you what. We got a new house, Stevon, and it's amazing. My wife uses Honey. We both use it, but she particularly uses it on Wayfair and Target where she buys a lot of our you know, furniture and decorative items for her. And the one thing that gives me solace at night is knowing that at least we're saving some money. She's decorating the house amazingly, but it's not costing us what it should cost. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites like Target, like I said, Best Buy, Macy's, whatever. When you check out, the little box drops down and all you have to do is click a pie coupon and watch the price drop. Oh, yeah. Not using Honey is literally passing up free money. It's free to use and installs in just a few seconds. Plus, it's backed by PayPal, so you know you can trust it. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash love. Okay, I asked you to not be in my business. <laughs> for whatever reason, you are not complying to my request. I'm hard-headed, huh? <laughs> you are, you are hard-headed, and you're all up in McCool-Aid, and you do know the flavor. You definitely know the flavor. I'm really struggling with this because I've kind of done every single thing and i you know what's crazy i am also very confident right mm -hmm. and i still suffer from this when i see comedians it's easy for me to see professional comedians oh bro i'll smash you bro you can't do nothing with me on stage i'm killing i compare myself to people on the like i'm killing you all the time like i don't want people to think i'm on here like everybody's better than me like i'm borderline arrogant when it mm -hmm. comes to my skill and business acumen in some ways and on the other side borderline fearful that it's a house of cards that's all gonna come <laughs> crashing down right like and how are these two beings this super confident because you have to be insanely confident and believe mm -hmm. in your own ability to uh to uproot your whole family from washington two very mm -hmm. stable paying jobs at boeing 
moved mm-hmm. down to LA with not enough money to live in LA and absolutely make it. Like in, in some ways, in other people's minds, I have made it, right? If I never do anything else. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, boy, we just getting started. I ain't even started making movies yet. Like we just mm-hmm. been <laughs> building the foundation and people are like, bro, if I stop right here, like yeah. I'm just getting started, like with the Patreon stuff, um, I, I, I'm gonna, I talk about this on Righteous and Ratchet. Our Patreon has allowed me to now do phase one of my empire, which is to pay actors and actresses when they appear in our content, right? And pay them the standard rate that they would get. They work for BuzzFeed or All Deaf or whatever. Same mm-hmm. standard rate for a full day, same standard rate for a half day, right? That is no small feat, right? Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm like, all right, boom, check. That is crazy that I'm even able to do that. And I give myself nothing because the next thing is, all right, now we can pay actors and actresses. Now we need to make movies. Like Mm -hmm. we get the Patreon to like, and when people find out how many patrons we have, they're like, are you, you have what? And I'm like, oh, but I don't have enough yet to do my ultimate dream, which is fully finance movies. Right. And when Mm -hmm. actors and actresses are like, bro, Kev, you paid my rent one day. You did this. And you know what's the easy? Let me, let me give you a, a, a free little, little nugget that I didn't plan on sharing mm-hmm. that I am going to, because since you're all in my business, let's just go yeah, there, yeah. Steve on. Let me give you my best get-out-of-jail-free card. God. There you this go. has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. This is all about this big G. Yep. It yep. Ain't me. Now, let me share with you a thought I've never shared publicly because I just cast it down. I had an atheist friend in Washington, right? Mm-hmm. And he was congratulating me on it. Like, he, he was coming up in comedy when I was. Um, and he was like, Kev, why do you always give credit to God? Like, you, you did some of the work too. And I'm like, I cast you out, demon. How dare you? How dare you take any credit from me? This is all God. Right? He's like, no, I get it. Like, I know, like, he wasn't trying to disrespect my relationship with God at all. He's like, I understand what you're saying, but like, God may have given you this talent, but you actually are the one who's going to stand up comedy. You're working on your craft. Like, you give all the credit to God, none to yourself. And I'm like, man, shut up. This is a God, <laughs> and without him, I'd be nothing. So uh-huh. I'm asking you, it, are you telling me to not give credit to God? Are you saying Jesus didn't die on the cross for my sins and I'm responsible for all my success and it's not the Lord? Huh? Is that what you're telling me that it's not Jesus? Is that what you're saying, Steve Austin? Since you got all the right answers, you got your degrees and you know every freaking thing. Is that what you're telling me? Not, not at all. Not at all. I've not heard it. Uh, you know, faith, faith without works is dead right now. So no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. God absolutely gave you abilities he gave you some skills endowed you with some you know traits that make you successful and you had to do something with that stuff right so it's it's, it's both and right? right so you don't get to kind of say god did all the good stuff and i'm responsible for all the bad it's like hey you did both and without that without the talents that he kind of endowed you with then maybe you don't be as successful as you are but you also come with some hard work right that, that you're out there putting in the effort and so like when you talk about kind of moving family from east coast to west coast and you know saying that that's confidence and it, it really is there's also a part for people with imposter syndrome is that like there's this fear that drives you right the fear of being found out to be a fraud and so you'll see them be super successful because they're worried about being found out so they're like i've got to stay later at work or i've got to put in you know a video a day 
Right. <laughs> okay, you didn't have to use that one analogy. Below the belt. Take a point. Take a point. <laughs> that was a logo. That was a logo. I'm sorry about that. But no, I mean, but they, they do all these things because they're trying to run from this fact of being found out, right? And so, like, they're, they're living in fear. They're more anxious about that stuff. And so it's like, I did this thing, but I've got to do something next, right? Because if I don't, then it's all going to wash away that house of cards analogy. And so I'm saying for you is that, like, at least give your credit that you're crafty enough to continue to figure out how to hide if you really don't have skills, right? So you don't even really need to worry about being found out because for the last 20 years, you've been doing well at hiding and tricking everybody. So why wouldn't you still be able to do that? I don't know. At least you're good at that, right? Like, you, know what? you can give yourself credit for being good at that part. Okay, here's a funny thing that's, that's crazy, right? When me and my wife were getting, we were going through the house buying process, right? Rest in peace, dream house. One thing <laughs> we had to say was like, she was, she was a little unsure, right? Financial, her money story is, you know, let's just say this. Living in LA is by far the most expensive place we've ever lived in. Mm -hmm. and, and we were moving, we were taking one expense and tripling it, right? Yep. So she was like, Kev, help me make sense of how we're going to be able to pay this if the worst happens, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, girl, at worst, I'll be able to do stand-up comedy shows in LA and, and, and make it, right? Mm -hmm. cover, the, cover the mortgage, right? So the absolute worst case scenario in my life happened. Coronavirus came and mm -hmm. took our biggest income generator, right? right? Mm -hmm. and eliminated it for months, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And for the foreseeable future, I know it's going to come back. I know sure. it'll come back in some way, right? I don't know how, but I'm sure it'll come back in a couple years. It'll be back to normal. It won't be this year. It'll be back to normal. Maybe late next year, maybe the year after that, right? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what was crazy. When I realized that, because I had said, in theory, we don't need touring. We can pay our employees. We can pay our bills. We mm -hmm. thank God, Melissa and I are grew up poor and always think <laughs> the world is coming because when the end of the world came, we had money saved. Oh, scarcity mindset. I like. I was that. yeah. Oh, we don't have time to go into everything, <laughs> Stevon. Okay, just let's focus on imposter syndrome for just today. We cannot go to scare scarcity mindset just saved our lives. We can deal right. with the negative parts of it later, but for this, sometimes it's doggone helpful to be right. terrified of being poor, right? 100%. Scarcity mindset prevented me from buying a Range Rover from a used car dealer that was across the street from McDonald's for eight thousand dollars. I don't know what I was thinking, right? So I was telling Tony Baker, right? I was like, Tone, we gotta we gotta transition into making movies and other content because you know we can't work right now like this is like finding out somebody figured out that you can't go left mm -hmm. and you have a chance to either go right or develop a, a fadeaway game it was like when jordan realized he couldn't drive and dominate yep. the way he did and he mm -hmm. came back at a doggone fadeaway mid-range and and won three more championships without the athleticism he had in the first half of his career right 100%. so i'm telling tony the worst happened the worst Thing happened. Our biggest income thing got canceled. And guess what? I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. I don't have the money I was making, but 
I'm, I can't even say that I'm losing. Like we're sustaining and even growing. My bank account's not dropping. Like I, it actually happened. But I feel no problem telling him that. Mm -hmm. I don't listen to it for me. <laughs> it is easy to be like, Tony, you took life's best punch. You yep. got it. Like one thing Doughboy said to me when we lost the house that really kind of was like, dang, you're right. He was like, Cam, it took a whole global pandemic to prevent you guys from buying a house. Just think on that. Yep. If it weren't for yep. a once in a hundred years global pandemic, you would be living in that house. And that's mm -hmm. something beyond your control that if you knew that was a possibility, you would have prepared for, but nobody knew, right? And that was the thing that I was like, dang, like I was definitely having a, a Derek Luke, uh, Antoine Fisher, I'm still standing, I'm yes. still strong moment. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still here, I'm still here, right? And, um, but I can't, it doesn't make as much sense telling myself that. And what is that about us? Like this was the tap at the Brown video that I did makes it, it's so much easier to give advice to yep. others. But applying that to yourself, man, stop. It don't make sense. Shut up to me. That's the inner bully. I mean, the inner bully has, has told you that you don't know what you're talking about or what you're doing for yourself, right? And so we often kind of look at our lives as not being where we want it to be. Is not the finished product. And so therefore it's not good. Right. It's kind of like this wouldn't happen in real life. Like Steve Jobs doesn't go out on stage and talk about the iPhone, you know, 10 or whatever it is, iPhone X or 11. And then, you know, he knows he's going to make an iPhone 20 down the line and it's going to be better. But he doesn't say, well, just buy this one now because it's kind of okay and it's good and it's got some stuff. Yeah. Uh, but really in, in five years, we're going to release one that's even better. So that's the one you want to look out for. Right. And so I think for you, what we do oftentimes is that we're seeing the finished product of where we could be, this dream house, you know, being in movies. And because we're not there yet, we kind of diminish the quality of the product we have now. But I'm saying, wait a second, what you have right now is what's here. What you're talking about doesn't exist yet. So, <laughs> so how can you really be focused on what doesn't exist yet and saying, well, that's better. It's, it's not here. The technology isn't here yet. So like you can't even really be talking about that because it's, it's, it's not real. Let's talk about what's real. What's real right now is that you got the best version of you killing it in the game on today. Like own that, sit in that, live there. Dude, where the <laughs> heck have you been in my life? Where have you been in my, my other therapist, God bless that woman. Nah. <laughs> No, you no. are done. No, you're no, here. No, 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 no yes. I don't even know no. her name. She's amazing. Shout out to is her. Is she? Is she? No, yes, she is. 100%. She's great. Um, man, that is something else, bro. I, yeah. I'm sorry, Liz, if this is not going the way you wanted it to go. Uh, but man, I. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, live, live in like that place. You can see me naked right now because it's like the Patreon people, they mm -hmm. know for real, like, and they're in here commenting and I see all the hearts and love. So they know you all up in here. You all up in here. <laughs> you, you're like Batman when he fought Bane. And it was <laughs> like, oh, I know all your, first of all, I know you're Bruce Wayne. He was yep. like, yo, what? People are not supposed to out. You are not supposed to be saying that out loud. And yeah. he said, let's not stand on ceremony, Mr. Wayne, and then beat the brakes off Batman. Yeah, That's did. what I'm feeling like right now. I feel like I, I walked into Bane, 
and I'm going, <laughs> you're like, oh, you fight like a young man. Like, why do you know everything I'm thinking and doing? And why do you have a good reason for it? And I don't have, I have nothing for you. Yeah. No, you're, you're good, though. I mean, and that's the part I want you to see, right, is that you are doing the things that are making you successful. Like, I want you to be able to attach to your success, that things are going well because you are able to figure out how to make things go well. Not because the world's been perfect for you or that you were given some silver spoon or you've got, you know, some major inheritance or a trust fund kid, but because you find a way to figure out how to be successful given the hand you're dealt. And I'm just saying, own that. Be okay with it. That like, hey, the hand you dealt may not be, you know, for the stage, but that don't think you can't win books. And so let's make it happen. You, you have black analogies? <laughs> what? My old therapist didn't know about spades? <laughs> that is so good. That probably is my best skill. That's what you learn being poor. It's like, well, we don't have access to, you know, the same meal, food, whatever. Yep. But we, that don't mean we can't cook. And that's also part of being black. Just, right. just we were dealt a terrible hand and we find ways to make life enjoyable with mm -hmm. what we're given. I feel like that. And honestly, sometimes my best creative moments come from the lack of access to stuff. It's like, well, I don't have this. I can't do this. What can right. I do? Right. And it's crazy because like, even without the tour, bro, I'm, we're good. Like we really yeah. are good. We haven't had... And that was like very almost freeing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like uh, to find out that what you knew was true was actually true mm -hmm. should give you the confidence to, to, you know, to rest in that. But I feel like I, this is also part of the reason why I have so much trouble on vacation, relaxing. I'm like, I can't, I gotta, I gotta keep going. But it's like, it it's ridiculous to think that everything I've built over all these years will come crumbling, crumbling down Right. I spend five days in Europe and I don't post one thing. Exactly. And especially because of the algorithm, sometimes people don't even realize <laughs> this video was posted three days ago because the algorithm's serving it to them like it's fresh. Like you really are probably good. But that that little man in me is like, you're not good. Remember that person took a break? Because the thing is, some people actually took breaks. And you're, you're absolutely right. I, I hate I hate it for it. I hate it. I just do hate it that you're just that you're just right. <laughs> because what people who did when they failed, I would never do that way. What do you mean? Like people who fall off, the mistakes mm -hmm. they make, I never would make. I would never make that mistake. Okay. Like I, but I, I, I think I could fall off the way they fall fell off, but I never would do that. But gotcha, I, gotcha. but that fall off, you know what I'm saying? That fall off still feels real to me, even oh, though that possibility. The possibility, yeah, possibility. Still feels is real, and I would never do the stuff they did ever, but I fear like I would, if that makes sense. And part of me is wondering, like, as I listen to you, is like, then why, why accept that, that fear, right? Why accept the belief that you could fall off like them because you're, you're looking at what they did, and you're saying, well, I wouldn't have made that decision. I, I wouldn't do things that way. I wouldn't do that. But you still convince yourself that you would get a similar outcome. And I, I think that's the part that really, you know, frustrates me or upsets me with the inner bully because it like gets you to question yourself when you don't need to, right? And it's like where if a real person were saying that to you about, oh, uh, you know, some other comedian came to you, oh, Kev, you gonna fall off just like old boy did because you know you don't know what you're doing, and sure you've had some some success, but you know at the end of the day, hey, 
you know, you don't really have what it takes to be long. He's like, hey, man, get that out my face, man. I really don't want like that. You're Who absolutely are you? right. If, if but it, yeah. because it comes from the inside, right, the, that, that inner bully, that voice on the inside of us, we accept it. We don't question it. We just let it. And we're like, well, it must be true because I have this feeling attached to it now. And so I feel like, man, maybe I don't have what it takes. And so we just run with it. And I'm saying we've got to question the inner bully relentlessly. I am tired now. <laughs> I, I literally, all, all I came in here to do was make sure we had a good episode. If I go. knew I would be attacked like this, I would have had my doggone guard up. I do have there some more go. questions before we go. Hmm? Um, can we, well, I know this we can. Can we self-sabotage is part A. But why do we, why do we self-sabotage? Why do we doom and gloom what should Ooh, this be is good. sunshine? Oh, it's like, excellent. I love this question, right? So that like, so, so part of, yes, we can self-sabotage. We can do things to prevent ourselves from being successful, right? And so part of that is due to that fear that I talked about. So that people with imposter syndrome, because they're driven by this fear of being found out to be a fraud, think about how scary it must be to level up. Right. If I do something well and I get rewarded and I level up, now I've got to do a lot more to try to hide the fact that I don't have what it takes. Right. So then partly, maybe even if it's not done consciously, is that I want to make sure that I don't get so high because I won't be able to maintain or keep this kind of house of cards, you know, afloat. Right. Or, or, or stable. And so that like if I start to level up too high, there's no way I'm going to be able to mask it and it's all going to come crumbling down. And so we will kind of consciously or unconsciously, you know, prevent ourselves from getting a little bit too high because there's that fear, you know, that the more success I have, then the easier it's going to be for people to spot that I don't, I don't really have what it takes. More money, more problems. A hundred percent. So to prevent that, we just mess up our stuff so that we don't give people an opportunity to find us out because we never achieve what we could have achieved. Right. Exactly. Sin sinister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. But why though? Why would we do that? Well, because again, if I don't feel like I have what it takes, I've already gotten to a level that I don't belong at. Right. So for me to go higher, so the like, further like, up I go, mm -hmm. ah, it's like yeah. it's like it's like in Ozark or people sell drugs. The more I sell, the better chance the police have of catching me. Yes. So yes. I need to sell less and therefore minimize myself to to minimize risk mm -hmm. so if your biggest fear is being found out then you have to limit your success yep. so that you can limit your chances of being found out yep that's what we tell ourselves like remember the movie i forget the name of it it's blanking on me now but with denzel when he was the drug dealer he was frank lucas no uh, quitting while you're ahead is not the yep. same as quitting yeah <laughs> it was called uh american gangster there you go but remember when he wore the fur coat and then that's when all eyes got on him. And he was like, I used to do stuff in a way to hide, right? And it was like, yo, they were already trying to figure out who you were anyway, right? And so it's like, I'm saying, hey, if you're doing something well, then you're going to elevate. And like, if you're a fraud, you're not really a fraud, right? Like, so like telling yourself that you don't know what you're doing or don't have what it takes, it's, it's not true. It wasn't true at this point. Uh, it's not going to be true at a higher level. So like, let's pause right there. Mm -hmm. You really said something good to me, and I want to highlight it. We will say if I just didn't wear the fur coat, I wouldn't have got caught, right? right. Mm -hmm. But what you just said is they were already onto you. If you didn't wear the fur coat, they would have just got you another way. Right. 
So it's like, what's the point of self-sabotaging? You're going to be what you're going to become anyway. Mm -hmm. And that one thing that you do to limit yourself really does limit you. Like if you really let, if you succumb to an imposter syndrome, you really will limit your ability to have success. That is 100% true. Like, uh, I don't have that specific issue. I have a lot of the other ones you talked about, so <laughs> stall me out. But I can see that in so, that's actually, I can see that in someone who could be sitting next to me in this podcast. If you <laughs> lean fully into this skill that you have, that literally everyone else can see, yeah, then they'll be okay. Let me just let me just bust my wife's bubble a little bit because I've taken really? a, a lot of abuse from you today. So <laughs> I want to share. You got you, you to live with her after this. I understand. She asked of me. She's watching. Blah blah blah. My wife says she's not creative. Right? You were on here when she was running down the the run of this show. Right? Did you see a person who wasn't creative? No. No, she didn't do it all. But here's the thing that you just clicked. If she says, I'm not creative, then anything she does is like, oh, that's great for a person who's not creative. Mm. But if you say you are creative, now mm. people are looking at you different and expecting, well, you're creative. You should have done better than this. So maybe we minimize ourselves so that we are allowed to fail and mm -hmm. it keeps people looking at us um in a certain way when i was young i played drums right and this guy said something that stuck with me in so many different ways in life he said when you're a kid prodigy drummer right and you're crazy and you're you know doing all this crazy stuff that's cool when you're young right you're oh he's six he's seven but the older you get the less impactful it is right when you're like 18 then people are just like oh wow, a lot of drummers are this good at 18 right so we want to be the small version of ourselves so the accolades can make sense. But as we grow, those accolades don't make as much sense if we don't keep leveling up. Right. right. And then like the other part of that is though, is that like, like you said, it's kind of maybe I lower my standards or lower people's expectations of me so that then, you know, what I do or what I accomplish looks that much better. Right. And I'm saying, well, does the brain know the difference? Because what you're telling yourself is you're not as good and you're kind of putting that out there to prevent people from kind of expecting more of you. And I'm saying, well, then also, aren't you kind of sending this message to yourself that you're not as good? I don't know that your brain can really tell the difference that you're doing that to just try to, you know, convince yourself or convince other people, or if that's really true. He lost him. He left. Oh, what you talking, Steve-On? I say, what you talking? <laughs> Your brain doesn't know the difference if you keep mm -hmm. telling yourself you're trash, you're not good enough, then your brain's like, okay, well, well, dang, I guess, I guess we are trash. Mm -hmm. And the same way when I was like, no, nah, I'm finna beat Ty what Tyler Perry does, Will Packer does, I'm finna do that, bah. You know, that creates its own set of problems, but at least my brain is like, all right, let's go. What we gotta do? Yep. Let's, yep. let's stop, let's do this. But mm -hmm. if you're doing the opposite of that, then you are, in effect, limiting your ability in life because you're right. telling yourself it's always going to be like that there's no point i mm -hmm. can't achieve that and then your actions then you basically become a self-fulfilling prophecy when you do yeah. the stuff that makes sense and you make mistakes you're like well perfect because i i shouldn't have been i, I didn't really deserve that job anyway so it makes sense that i i messed up we got it you're on top you won that's it you understand it <laughs>
Your inability has no effect on you now. It doesn't apply to me, so it makes perfect sense. When it doesn't apply, I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, this and that. But when it's me, it's like. You can't hide the face. Man, that is so rich, man. The brain doesn't know the difference. The Bible says, huh? Okay, there we go. Power of the tongue. Mm-hmm. Speak life. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you really got to, especially in this business, probably more than most, this business has an unnatural amount of rejection. Mm-hmm. Like people live, I, when I worked at All Deaf, we had a, the guy uh, who was my, my direct boss. He ran scripted TV for, for NBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, for like 25 years and he said something to me that made so much sense he said when you're in hollywood no one cares about the nose like i i get paid to say no mm-hmm. it's easy to say no i you just need to give me one reason to say no mm-hmm. it's the yeses that you're defined by so mm-hmm. what he was essentially saying is like it's hard to do this job from my point of view because their job is basically to say no to almost everything Right. And we're the ones getting told no. And to, and to create at this level, you got to be like, man, forget all that. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm going after it. I'm going to get it. And even when the, you're faced with people who believe in you, like, here's the thing I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. When you have imposter syndrome, you can have, like in this instance, I have Patreon, who are, all they do is big me up, speak life into me and list. We support you. They literally give us their money to help us achieve our dream, right? Mm-hmm. I will look at those people and be like, why do wow. you do this? Why wow. do you believe in me? Mm-hmm. What is it in me that you see? They might just see that now this dude really might do what he says he's going to do. I want to be a part of that. But sure. then that sometimes makes me feel like, well, shoot, I better do it now. Like, because I really pressure. can't let It's added pressure. And here's the thing. When we were, like, touring and really struggling, they're like, man, take a week off. These are the people paying for the bonus episodes. <laughs> saying don't give us a bonus episode like you're on the road like and i could not compute that information you know what i'm saying like i could not make that like in my mind you should demand more but they Mm -hmm. they were demanding less and they all they did was say that and i'm like no i'll kill myself to do another episode hey guys welcome to ratchets and ratchet i had a a pop blood vessel so my right eye's been closed for a minute but you know hey 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 yep yeah, I've got to keep going. If I if I stop or slow down, then it's all gonna fall apart, and and that's not true. And I guess by, when I listen to that or I hear people tell me that, it's like, well, when's the last time you know things didn't go right for you, and then what did you do? Yeah. And, and oftentimes when people kind of when I pose that question to them, what they'll tell me is they'll tell me about how things went awry, and then they'll 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 answer kind of the, the second part of that by kind of giving me information about how they overcame that. And so what I say is like, well, then what you're telling me is that even if something doesn't go well, you find a way to still be okay, right? And it's like, you, why are you ignoring that ability that you have? That even though life gave you the ups and downs, right? Didn't go the way you had planned, you still found a way to be okay. And, and that's what you need to kind of rest on. That inner bully will not allow you to see that. It will every time get you to believe that this is gonna be the one to where you aren't able to figure it out. And I'm saying that hasn't happened in all these years before, so how can you convince Elon Lewis that tomorrow's gonna be the day? Give me the evidence. I want to believe you, but I just can't. That is so crazy because that is so doggone true to me. And I, I really tried to direct you away from my life. Obviously, you have <laughs> no respect or regard for my feelings. You, you came right back 
I literally find out how to make it, mm -hmm. no matter what the insurmountable odds are. Yeah. Let me steer you away from my life again. There you go. How does this in your in your in your practice in your experience? How does this differ in in women than from men? So I think for for men is the the outward kind of expression of it, right? That I think men may tend to be less verbal or vocal about how imposter syndrome is actually actually impacting them, right? So that they present, and I think most people with imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome present as though things are going well and they've got it together, but inside it's kind of like the duck, right? Like a duck goes across the water, but underneath the legs are doing this shit, right? It's this yeah. on and on and on. And so that they're pretty, pretty good people with imposter syndrome kind of presenting like things are calm and good, right? I think women are probably more vocal about saying that they don't believe that they are deserving of the stuff, right? So they'll share it with other friends or they'll talk to, you know, they won't go for, uh, you know, say the bonuses or the promotion or they'll, you know, tell people that, hey, I don't think I'm really that good. And it'll be other coworkers where the guys will be like, oh, yeah, you know, thanks for that and try to play it off. Inside they're doing it, but they aren't speaking up about that stuff. But the impact it has, like the way they're responding to it, the anxiety that they have as, as a result of it, is still the same in both men and women. That is good. And this is probably why men often get promotions they don't deserve, because our <laughs> imposter syndrome fails us up. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll sit in there in an interview and be like, I'm the right man for the job for this reason, that reason, that reason, and I'm better than the other people. And when you give me the job, I'm going to, I got to work hard to try to make it seem like I'm worth it. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of the table is a woman who's absolutely qualified, more qualified right. than me, telling herself, mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm probably not good enough, and therefore I shouldn't even try for it. And then yeah. she ends up reporting to a man with imposter syndrome, but she's actually more qualified to do the job than he is, but her imposter syndrome has her quiet, his has him speaking. And on top of that, we live in a patriarchal society, so it's right. another imposter man above her saying, well, shoot, if I'm gonna have somebody take my job and be better than me, I'd rather be a man than a woman. Ooh. And boom, Ooh. women are underpaid and men like it that way. And we work to keep it that way. And women got to be like, nah, man, I'm better for this. And here's why. You don't have to tell me why I'm wrong. And men aren't going to have a reason. Mm -hmm. You went deep on it, man. That's, that's super deep. <laughs> and when it doesn't affect me, it's easy. <laughs> and, it, and it's so true, right? And it's like, you know, some of my clients, uh, the women clients, they're, they're killing it in life, like doing amazing stuff, but just they, they are really good about being cheerleaders for other people. Really good, like phenomenal about being cheerleaders for other people, right? And I'm not saying that in a way of like cheerleading because it's sexist or whatever. No, but, no, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, they, they can celebrate the successes of everyone else. And it's like, well, what about you? Well, I don't know. And it's, you know, trying to get them to believe and understand that, hey, you have what it takes and you're just as qualified, if not more qualified, than this other individual, regardless of, you know, kind of what's between their legs, right? And so kind of getting them to understand that, that that piece is super, super important. And for like, I guess the dudes or like the guys kind of in my practice, it's they're they're doing stuff. And like you said, they're kind of getting the success, but they're just kind of questioning it behind closed doors. And they're like, you know, will I be able to maintain this? Uh, you know, am I really this good? Or I really don't know what I'm doing, but it hasn't prevented them from still going after stuff. Listen. Bruh, when I tell you, I'll go after anything. Stuff that, the kind of thing that's crazy about my temperament is if I feel like I'm not ready for it, I will go harder for it. Yeah. And then I'll get the job. And I've actually done it and like, mm -hmm. like achieved it. Like at, at all death was the, 
my whole career, I've got jobs that I didn't <laughs> get. I should have got. It wasn't just all that. It was everything. Literally, Stevon, like, when I worked at Bank of America, my prior experience was at a daycare. Everyone, and I wanted the job as a personal banker, right? Mm -hmm. And um, they were like, we don't really bring in personal bankers who didn't do it before. Everybody's got to start from a teller, work their way up. And I was like, I don't feel like that's right for me. I feel like I can start as a personal banker. And all the personal bankers at that Bank of America branch didn't want to bring a brand new person on because it was a high traffic branch. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of work, right? They were right. They shouldn't have done it for me. Like they really shouldn't have. But guess yeah. what? I picked it up quickly and I became mm -hmm. the seller for this whole region mm -hmm. at that branch. And they were like, dang, like I, I, I can't believe that, right? Then they wanted to promote me to manager and we were trying to move to Dallas. We had had some talks about moving to manager, right? So mm -hmm. I was like, boom, I'm gonna go to, to manage a branch just because, yeah. and I, I was working at a daycare, like cutting up peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> Two months before that, not right? the same skill set, yeah. Bro, not eat. I had no reason of being in that job, but I right. killed it, right? So then I did the same thing at Boeing. Should not have gotten that job. That mm -hmm. job was like, bro, when I tell you I can interview, I can trick you into believing <laughs> I'm going to be a great employee, right? Got that job. Did not kill it at Boeing. I was just not motivated. By then, I was like, I got to do this, right? But I did enough to keep the job. But then mm -hmm. all deaf was the pinnacle of you probably shouldn't have got this job. It could have. And then when I found out that they were trying to give that job to somebody who worked at Comedy Central and these TV people, oh. mm -hmm. my confidence was through the roof. And now that I actually know what I'm talking about, when I can mm -hmm. other, And here's the other thing that I thought about, too. And this is just confident Kev speaking, not imposter syndrome Kev. Right. When I would be pitching to these brands and stuff, I'd be like, bro, it's just somebody at that company who's my age. What they know? They don't know nothing better than me. They ain't more talented than me. They ain't even older than me. Like, even when I hired my agent, I was like, this dude's a year younger than me. They don't be knowing nothing. Right, you know what right. I mean? Like, and that confidence helps me to be like, bro, you got it. You on your way. Mm -hmm. And and then, and then, but but my imposter syndrome, oh, this is my question to you. It just clicked. There you go. It looks like imposter syndrome takes different faces. Mm -hmm. My imposter syndrome is duck imposter syndrome. You got to kill it. You got to go hard. You got to work hard every day. You can never let up. Mm -hmm. What are the other different ways imposter syndrome can take the face of? Sure. So it's like, like you said, it's like, you know, we have this, the star individual, the overachiever who's accomplishing a whole lot, right? Uh, that's the person. So it's like, you know, they're getting off A's. They're, you know, the ones getting scoring titles and all that stuff. Uh, then you have people who are kind of the workforces, right? So they're staying late after work. They're staying at the job. Or, you know, they're kind of the ones who show up early, leave late, putting all the time in the gym because it's coming from that fear of not really possessing the skills that everybody else has. So I've got to work 10, 12, 15 times harder, right? Then you have other people who kind of try to rest on the intellect, right? So I'm reading every book. I'm kind of studying everything. And before I try something, I've got to do all the research on it. And I've got to see who read that and who wrote this and you know, who studied it before this other person so that before I can even talk about it, I've got to know everything about everything so that I, otherwise I'll look like an idiot. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I don't know anyone right. like that who does anything like that, but boy, if I ever meet a person who does that exact thing, I will let you know. Oh, they're out here, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and so like they, they, you're doing all this stuff to try to compensate, you know, so that you won't be found out. 
And so like, it just shows up in different people, different ways, you know, and it's like, again, the reasons behind that are different. Sometimes it's because of childhood stuff. Sometimes because it's the only person in the room, like, you know, whether it's a person of color or, you know, a woman in tech or, you know, a man in nursing or something like that. These, these areas where we don't feel like we kind of belong. Um, and that stuff just kind of pushes us to, to really try hard to mask that we don't have what it takes. And I'm saying, well, let, let's go back a little bit further. The question you got in the room, right? Like even when you said, I'm a good interviewer, and you're like, okay, that's part of it. But also once you get in the, in the door, you also know how to stay in there. So, okay, you're good at interviewing, and you're also good at staying inside. So like, give, give yourself credit for both, not just one. Right? And so I think I'm, I'm really big on language and how people say stuff, because like you said, you know, power of the tongue, right, life and death. Uh, so I'm really big on like pointing out to my clients when they say things that don't really add up, because what you're telling yourself, you're, you're listening to that constantly, right? And so be aware of the narrative of what you're saying about this. So I'm really big on words. And so, you know, kind of like as early in my career, I got exposed to Deborah Cannon. She's a linguist out of like Georgetown University, mm-hmm. so kind of reading her work and kind of how men and women kind of relate in relationships. But like language is everything and the messages we send to ourselves and others is everything. And so if you're saying, I'm good at this one thing and just leave it off, now we're starting to question it, right? Or if we only talk about the bad and not the good, how can I feel really good, right? And so it's like, pay attention to what you're saying because what you're saying has immediate impact on how you're going to feel. You know what you're about to create? And I will blame you. And I'm going to use my words clearly. You're going to create... If you... (laughs) You're going to create supremely confident em- Emperor Kev on stage. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, what you're going to do, I think for me, which is actually probably even more helpful than make me better at my job mm-hmm. uh, and grow better, you're, you're probably going to make me realize that I can take it easy sometimes. Right. Which is like um, probably equally as valuable. It's just like, you know, mm-hmm. Kev, you, I work like a dog, like, you wouldn't believe, or maybe you wouldn't believe, I don't know. But it, it, I, it, hard work is nothing to me, nothing mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. When a friend wants to uh, ask for revisions, and like, you can get them today or tomorrow, even Friday, I'm like, nope, I will stay up until midnight with mm-hmm. blood coming out of my eyes. And you'll wake up and you'll see that I sent you an email at 2 a.m. Actually, what, what I, wanted, I thought about with, um, we were saying how, how many different faces it looks, Peyton Manning's imposter syndrome is I'm going to watch film and study and I'm going to learn the mechanics and read the defense and all that. Yep. Michael, yep. Michael Vick's is I'm just faster than y'all. You won't catch me. Mm-hmm. And therefore I don't need to do anything else because you won't catch me. And I just think yep. I never thought about like this guy's in the books, he's in the films and then this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Joshy, our editor, he suffers from this too. And he is. You diagnosed everybody. He's like, oh, he got it. She got it. Oh, we all, I think, but it's, now that I realize that it has different forms, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Josh is a freaking, I would say borderline genius at, mm-hmm. at getting things done, right? And he knows, he shot, directed, edited our first documentary. And before that, all he had done was a music video. But mm-hmm. I saw him, I was like, this guy, he was, a, he was my intern or intern at, at All Dev. And I was like, this guy can do everything. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's amazing, right? But you telling Josh he's amazing, he's like, ain't not, ain't not. I'm a little man with a little car, right? right? And I, I, but what I had to do for him is be like, nah, nah, you finna edit this. And he's right. like, nah, but I can't. Let's find an editor. And I was like, nah, nah, you good. And then he did it. And then he released a video last week. Amazing, right? So I think in some ways, your friend group knowing 
mm-hmm. your weaknesses and mm-hmm. pushing you with the best of intentions can be important, right? Because sometimes you need people around you who believe in you. Uh, to, like Melissa can see my weaknesses better than me. Her telling me, Kev, you're good. Just take the day off. It, it, it will sit better than yep. like Doughboy telling me. Mm-hmm. Doughboy tells mm-hmm. me, I'm like, nah, man, I got to prove to you that I make it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to make sure you're paying right. your life being like, nah, you're good. It, it holds a little bit more weight. You know what I'm saying? But then uh, I can't necessarily tell her that the same way. Maybe her sister can speak her mm-hmm. language to her more mm-hmm. because her sister suffers from it in the similar way that Melissa does, right? Mm-hmm. Not the same way that I do. So I think it's this episode has really been good for me because the more of us who understand how this works and how it shows up, then one, we can tackle it in our own lives, which I feel like is more important, like put the mask on yourself. And then two, we can help our friends and family or our children, yep. you know, yep. uh, as well. Like my youngest son, my wife was really great with this. Like he's an amazing soccer player. This dude's out mm-hmm. bro. Uh, but when he moved up to his, the current team he's on, which is a club team, these kids were all good. Like yeah. now on his other team, they were all suck. And mm-hmm. <laughs> And Joe would be easily the best player on the field. Like, right. everyone can see, right? Now his current team, these kids are all good. And his coach mm-hmm. is good. And they're doing drills he ain't never done before. Where I tell you that first day, he was like, bro, I hate soccer. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're like, what? What happened? He was like, nah, man. Like, these kids doing crap I ain't seen. Like, am mm-hmm. I even good, right? right? My wife was right there. And she, I mean, literally right there. When he came off the field crying, was like, listen, Josiah. What you're really feeling is, is that, you know, this stuff is new. This team is new. They seem to know each other. You're feeling a little left out. But I guarantee you, if you stick with it, you, yep. will, you will learn these drills, and you'll be just as good as them. When, he, when, he, when it clicked, then he was out here waxing on these kids, and now he's yep. back to confident, like, boy, y'all can't hold me. Y'all yep. suck, you know. Yep. But, but it was important to be able to diagnose that because I lived my whole life I only remember hearing imposter syndrome when my wife talked about it. Wow. Like, that wow. might have been two years ago. Like, mm-hmm. I'm living my whole life with not even being aware that I'm operating like this. Mm-hmm. The term mm-hmm. overachiever, uh, that behavior, that's like three months old for me. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So imagine what we can do with our children when we can right. give them that in, in middle school or high yep. school. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, I feel like that's why this is really... Uh, impactful. Before I let you go, is there anything you want to say to the people, even though you've been all in our life all this hour? And <laughs> uh, no, I thank you for the, the opportunity. Uh, you can find me at uh, my website, uh, stevonlewis.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at stevonlewismft, uh, S-T-E-V-O-N, uh, like Stephen, but O-N. Um, and that, yeah, you don't have to really succumb to your inner bully. Like, you do not have to listen to all the negative lies that it's telling you. Question it. Uh, if you ended up in the room, you're in there for a reason. So now it's just for you to continue to do what you've been doing to get it that, that got you the invite in the first place. Let me ask you a question. Okay, there you go. Do you ever suffer from this? <laughs> a black male therapist? Come on, man. <laughs> no, of course, of course I did. <laughs> I was, I was my whole my whole career, right? Like it's it's there aren't many black male therapists in general, right? So I went my entire graduate program not seeing anyone that looked like me in the program. Right, so how do you know, or like through the way I, I speak about things, or the way I post therapies, analogies, or you know the way they teach you, I was just like, yeah, I'm not gonna do therapy like that. Yeah, nah, bro, I, I got no way. <laughs> exactly. So we're gonna see how it works out because it's definitely not what they were teaching me, but I'm trying to make it do what it do. Yeah. 
I'm black. Because if you would have said me, no. I'd be like, bro, shut up. You lying to me right now, man. You lying, liar. <laughs> do you do any therapy virtually? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So right now I'm seeing all my clients uh, via teletherapy. Yeah, I'm not in office right now. Uh, not sure when I'm going to make it back in the office. But yeah, I, I use a platform that's uh, HIPAA compliant to do teletherapy with uh, all my couples and all my individual clients. Nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this was one of my favorite episodes of the Love Hour, mainly because Steve on was all up in my business, like so, like that. Uh, but it was very impactful. I hope you got something out of it. Make sure to follow him on Instagram uh, and support him, man. Tell a friend about him. We all got to be better um, people and, and having people who know they're talking about strong voices in the community is how we get better. Thank you so much, Melissa, for uh, setting me up like this. I know this is Inception. I didn't see it coming until it was happening. I was like, God dang it, she got me again. I really was like, oh. I was like, you sure you're not going to be in this? She was like, no, man. I literally, before I walked in, when I changed my shirt, she, and she had her wig on and her makeup done. So I was like, you going to come on? She was like, me? No, I cannot do. And now as it happened, I'm like, you doggone set me up for the okie doke. But I appreciate it. Thank you so much, uh, Melissa. And thank you, Steve-On. And thank you guys for watching. Uh, we'll see you next week uh, on the Love Hour. Peace.